Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, David Kahn, who's Director of Product Marketing at Alemica. And today we're going to talk about navigating the risks in supply chain management. Now, if you were to add a subtitle to, you know, the uh, supply chain professional's job description, it would be, you know, risk uh, manager or risk mitigator. Um, because the you know, reality is that supply chain management is not just about, you know, managing orders and transportation and inventory. You know, it's all that while also navigating through, you know, the myriad of risks that, uh, you know, face uh, industries today. So what, what are some of these growing risks? Uh, what are some of the challenges to address them and overcome them? And how can technology help? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to explore and, and discuss today. Uh, you know, with David, and it's great to have him on the program to kind of share his perspective as he, you know, uh, works with clients uh, and, and, you know, where supply chain risk management is kind of a, a, a top uh, concern for them. So, uh, David, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks, Adrian. Thanks for having me aboard. So, well, I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, we, we've had uh, some of your colleagues uh, uh, there at Alemica on the program before, but this is the first time, you know, for you. So, like, like I always like to do when we bring on a new guest is, I always um, am curious in terms of how they got involved with supply chain and logistics to begin with. So kind of before we dive into the topic, why don't you, you know, briefly tell us a little bit about, you know, your career path, you know, how and why you got involved with supply chain logistics and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Alemica. Sure. Well, you know, well, I wanted to be an astronaut actually, or actually sail around the world. And uh, somehow I ended up in a supply chain. So, uh, you know, all kidding aside, I started out as a production engineer, you know, putting in early stage ERP, MRP systems back in the day and robotics and CAD CAM solutions for uh, North American Philips. And eventually that kind of evolved into kind of moving into supply chain solutions, mainly around enterprise integration, uh, transportation management systems and WMS or warehouse management over the years. And then uh, and then I lived the world of customer-facing solutions and customer experience for the past few years, which was very exciting. I also, kind of ironically, had a stint with the large consulting firms, heading up some of their supply chain and some of their ERP practices. Uh, I also worked as an industry analyst for a while at AMR, which is now uh, part of Gartner. And finally, you know, all, as we all wish we kept did and did, I, I started and built uh, and sold my own e-commerce and supply chain software company during the uh, dot-com days. So now, uh, now I'm basically living the dream at Alemica. You know, today I'm head of product marketing and which, at Alemica, which is the business network for the process industry. Great, great. Well, you know, there's, there's some parallels between your path and mine. I, I actually also wanted to be an astronaut when, when I was a kid. In fact, when I used to walk to elementary school, I used to pretend that I was in an astronaut suit as I bounced along, you know, on my way to school. And, you know, I also got my career in, in production. You know, I, I started in manufacturing at, at, at Motorola. So I had, you know, spent some, you know, some years there. And uh, obviously, you know, I, I didn't start a dot-com company, but, uh, you know, I am an entrepreneur myself with, uh, obviously, with Taco Logistics and, and Adelante. So, so it, it's amazing how, you know, these things uh, ultimately bring us to, you know, supply chain management one way or another. Yep, yeah. So, yeah, so anyway, when neither of us got to the moon, but here we are today, uh, <laughs> you know, on the front lines of supply chain logistics. And, you know, like I said in my opening, you know, comments, you know, supply chain management is, is almost anonymous with, you know, with risk management. And, and it seems like the, you know, the number of risks that supply chain professionals have to face uh, every day is just growing. I mean, what, what do you see as the biggest supply chain, you know, risk that companies face today? So I, from a risk perspective, you know, supply of viability. 
is one of the major concerns of supply chain leaders these days and procurement professionals. So, uh, and basically it comes down to are they willing and, and can they commit their direct materials to specific trading partners? Uh, there's a multitude of surveys out there in the market. You and I have read them and, and even organized them that highlight supply of financial viability and, and even some of the related operational viability due to things like bankruptcy, declining balance sheet health, or even the ability to meet their obligations in a timely manner are pretty much things that are pretty much top of mind. And then you kind of think of other aspects beyond just the delivery aspects of the supplier quality and, and the performance risk related or unrelated to supply financial viability. And, and some of these can, can change overnight, like a, the brand image of something or, or the reputation of a risk based on a supplier contract or related compliance activities, like some bad ingredient or, or some aspect of loss trace, traceability. So another one, I guess, would be kind of on-time delivery risk. You know, will they be around to support my delivery schedules and can I trust them, basically not them not to shut down my plant? And, and, you know, do we have the right metrics in place with these trading partners around service level agreements? Is the mode of transport that they're using, is it the most efficient to impact my on-time delivery? And, and then really at what cost to them and what cost to me, uh, is, it, is it a win-win? So kind of a lemmica enables the supply chain within the chemical and process industries. You know, we orchestrate the material movement between buyers and sellers and logistics providers in a very regulated industry that's kind of moving at times, probably the most hazardous chemicals and materials in the world. And so therefore, you know, there's a tremendous amount of risk and correct material labeling and handling of that risk and that's assumed by the shipper and the logistics provider. So at, there was a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, called Logichem, which is kind of a logistics for the chemical industry, obviously. It was about two weeks ago and there was a discussion around the logistics providers and the risk that they need to take on when they sign on a new a new customer. And so some of those were really around um, the correct labeling of materials into the containers that they were that they were going to be responsible for. And whether it was rail or road or ocean, those things came to be highlighted and, and one of was one of the logistics providers major risk on taking on these trading partners and moving their goods. And do they have the correct signage? You know, was the material certified? Was it labeled correctly for material handling concerns? Was the material loaded into the containers to minimize product damage? You know, during transport, if the truck fell over or there was a, a rail, you know, rail derailment on the rail, was it satisfactorily loaded correctly? And were the containers that the materials were kind of stored in, uh, were they properly maintained and certified? So it's not just the material, it's even the, the, you know, the, the loading containers that the material is being stored on, they labeled and maintained correctly. So these are some of the major risks that were identified even at the conference. Yeah, that's a, th th those are all great points. In fact, you know, you know, go, building on that point, you know, earlier this year, I wrote a, a post, you know, highlighting, you know, uh, a hazardous materials labeling and how it's so much more than just, you know, you know, paperwork or, you know, placards on a truck or a container or some other, you know, uh, vehicle, you know, there really is uh, a lot of processes and a lot of, you know, ultimately risk involved in, in that whole process. And unfortunately, a lot of companies, um, you know, particularly some of the smaller companies, 
uh, just aren't prepared or, or are addressing those risks, you know, effectively. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you talked about on time, you know, our, and the risk associated with on-time delivery or, or not getting deliveries on time, you know, the, you know, shutting down a plant or, you know, we see that in retail right now with, you know, Walmart and Target, you know, Walmart's case with on time in full, right. And kind of the penalties that they're uh, imposing on suppliers if they don't get uh, the deliveries within that very much more narrow time window yeah. today. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think those, those risks are just becoming, you know, more and more great, greater. I mean, one of the other things I've seen, you know, um, you know, this past year, we certainly saw cyber uh, threats and cyber attacks, you know, having a bigger impact on, on supply chains with companies like FedEx and, and Maersk kind of, you know, being affected there. I mean, is that something that you're seeing supply chain professionals pay more attention to or some other kind of broader uh, risks? Yeah, so we do see that, you know, since we're running a network. So cyber threats are important to the, the data security aspects of the supply chain. So data security, privacy, uh, sovereignty of the data is a challenge because different supply chain participants actually may have different protocols for controlling that data across, uh, across the network and across their access and visibility with trading partners. So at Alemica, for example, we operate in a really highly regulated industry, as we mentioned before, with customers shipping potentially very hazardous products. So we hold our customers and their suppliers' data privacy as a, as a really top concern. So with sensitive data such as customer information related to trading volumes, product launches, material handling requirements, pricing, delivery schedules, certificates of analysis, uh, the continuous change in security requirements and threats should not really be forgotten. So our data is encrypted and, and it's secure with a rigorous kind of key-based system for access to that data. And so our core infrastructure is cloud-based and supports the global needs of not only North America and the European community to kind of ensure compliance in this multi-global transportation uh, so supply chain security expectations. You know, so besides that, however, there are risk takes on many forms in the supply chain. You know, we talked about the, the on-time delivery, we talked about cybersecurity, but there's also supplier and weather and geopolitical uh, and others. So many kind of multi-enterprise platforms like Alemica are starting to embed risk-related information from content services to provide a more holistic risk information and mitigation of those risks uh, to, the, to, um, to the shippers and to the customers. So combining this with like real-time information about weather patterns or weather events, they can be linked to suppliers and orders and orders can be redirected or shipments can be expedited or, or orchestrated in a different manner. So it gives them visibility into how they can react to supply chain disruptions of, of whether it be economic, whether it be environmental, whether it be uh, weather patterns, all different other types of risk as well. So you're seeing us and others kind of embed other third party kind of um, information into our networks to, um, to help mitigate those risks. Yeah, no, I, I see that as well. And, uh, you know, I, I want to get to that. I, I think I want to explore that a little bit further in the conversation, you know, particularly as it relates to you know, technology and the role of, you know, visibility and, and all that, because I think that's where I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that, that data being fed into or, or being combined with, you know, visibility solutions to provide that, you know, that, that greater uh, insight. But, but before we get to kind of the technology piece, I mean, when, when you, uh, 
you know, talk to your clients about supply chain risk management today. I mean, what are some of the, what, what are some of the biggest constraints uh, or hurdles that they face today? So I think one of the, one of the major constraints that we see on, in terms of the onboarding process or the digitization process is actually, I'd have to say, is the data quality that they have or they're trying to bring to the network and share with other trading partners. So it includes, it basically it includes the complete aspect of data quality, whether it's reliability or fidelity or timeliness and cleansing of that data, and then obviously the correlation of sequencing of those transaction sets. So, and due to the many different operational differences among the organizations, the data is often available from disparate formats and different systems and different arrangements. So it's all, so it's not presented or it's not even presented there at all. So the correlation becomes really, really key on how do we sequence that and tell you where your materials are, where your risks are. So besides the aspect of inaccurate data, it also includes a facet of delayed data, uh, as well as the overall operating speed of the data exchange among the network. So you can't really forget the importance of data mapping along the documents and the processes and the partners, uh, establishing in essence a, a relationship model as a, as a supply chain network foundation. So at Alemica, our unique ability to take data globally from multiple partners and then enrich it based on business rules solves the data quality problem in a lot of aspects that plague so many other supply chain visibility initiatives. So the partners are responsible for the data that they contribute to the process and they can receive alerts and reports or trigger data, uh, aspects that drive upstream or downstream processes. So the business network then ensures that their data is available to them, it's complete, it's usable, timely, and it's accurate. Yeah, you know, it, it, it never uh, fails to, you know, amaze me. I mean, you know, there's, there's so much buzz and discussion today around, uh, you know, obviously visibility, uh, machine learning, you know, business intelligence, analytics, but it really all boils down to, I mean, the fundamental foundation to all that is, you know, still data quality, right? And yeah. having it timely, accurate, complete, you know, you still have to deal with the reality, as you, you talked about, that, you know, that this data is coming from many different systems, many different trading partners. And, you know, I, I hear the same thing, you know, it's, uh, you know, for the past 18 years that I've been an industry analyst, you know, it's wrestling with that data acquisition, data cleanliness, uh, data accuracy and timeliness that continues to be a, a challenge. But I think on the technology side, you, you know, I think you, you talked about some of the things you're, you're doing. I know others are doing other things from a technology standpoint you know, to, to help address that, you know, data quality issue. And we, we're seeing things now kind of moving away from EDI or at least not relying solely on EDI as an example and kind of moving more toward APIs as a, as a, more, as a mechanism to, you know, uh, you know, get more timely and, and accurate, you know, data via, via that vehicle. You, are you seeing the same thing kind of moving away from EDI um, or at least, you know, not relying so much on EDI, but moving forward companies embracing APIs as kind of a, 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 an integration mechanism or a way to share data more in a more timely manner? Yeah, so we're seeing that, you know, there's kind of different ways that partnerships can be onboarded, you know, onto a network. They don't know, necessarily have to all be through kind of an EDI, kind of an integration. Uh, that can be somewhat pretty cost expensive, cost prohibitive for certain, you know, certain partnerships, depending on the volume. So we see customers and hours within our base going through sort of a segmentation analysis 
you know, for the 80-20 rule, you know, we will use standard-based uh, APIs to connect their ERP to the our, you know, to the network, uh, so to transfer data back and forth. And then, you know, for those partnerships that you don't necessarily uh, have as extensive a, a relationship with, uh, let's, there's a more cost-effective methods. There's a portal technologies. There's email technologies that. Uh, that are more cost effective to bring on those uh, those partnerships into the network and still achieve you know the visibility requirements that that uh, that the ecosystem pro you know is providing. So yeah, yeah, no, I I I see the same things. Is is really kind of a, you know taking a multi you know faceted approach to you know uh, uh, onboarding you know trading partners and the, and the way information and data is, is exchanged with with all parties. Uh, which kind of brings us now into the technology, you know, part of the discussion um, and, and the role that technology plays here, uh, specifically with everything happening, like I mentioned, with like machine learning and, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and visibility and analytics, you know, everything that uh, certainly is, is making the headlines, uh, you know, these days from a, from a supply chain technology standpoint. I mean, how are these technologies, you know, helping companies to better manage supply chain risks? So I think uh, overall that the, you know, these critical network platforms like Alemica for the, for the process industry, you know, they're acting in support of supply chain visibility and decision processing. And so these systems are rapidly starting to sense changing market and partner conditions. And, and they're starting to anticipate response to demand and supply chain events kind of via alerts up and down the stream. And they're using advanced analytics or machine learning for automated decision support. So we see within our customers probably the full spectrum of supply chain execution and cross industry enterprise process for both, you know, for transportation management, rating services, global trade, and risk management using our business network solution. So when it comes to kind of advanced analytics and machine learning, these, you know, these have been, you know, you and I, these have been around for, you know, for some time now. And, uh, you know, and only now we have access to great computer power and applications, you know, enabling us to take advantage of these, which we've said for the last 15 years, you know. So uh, the computing power, you know, 10 years ago was, oh, we now have new computing power. So, but these technologies have been around for a long time. Uh, and now they're really starting to be really deployed finally, uh, specifically with the chemical supply chain. And as networks bring formally disparate sets of supply chain data together, which is been easily based on some of the new standards and uh, XML kind of standard-based technologies to bring this stuff together. So we have new opportunities now to kind of apply machine learning are starting to emerge. And an example would be the, you know, the combination of global trade management with transportation management and real-time tracking. You know, this is also starting to drive a tremendous amount of data into, into the network and into the correlation and into the risk mitigation process. So these more sophisticated analytic programs need to take advantage of that for end-to-end -end logistics. So machine learning can now analyze the data and provide kind of a, a reality check into estimated arrival times, risk, and performance that really wasn't feasible in the standalone systems. Uh, I see kind of the next step forward is kind of multi-mode visibility to get a truly end-to-end -end view of logistics across ocean, rail, and truck. You know, many companies built their own, you know, control towers, so to speak, that, that stitched together a variety of systems, which we were not tied 
to uh, to training partners in any true real integration fashion. But now the network provides options so companies don't have to build everything by themselves. They can choose a platform provider like Alemica and that, that directly provides the necessary visibility and the content services that they're looking for. So I guess for me, the, the bottom line here is that the end-to-end -end visibility that's created by the network doesn't just answer the question, where's my stuff anymore? You know, you can also provide, um, it also can provide the foundation for supply chain financing, for example. Banks can actually now subscribe to the same systems as the shippers and they can use the logistics information to release payments and extend credit. So the participants and the ecosystem just keeps growing and growing over time uh, and with more and more data being correlated. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been a big proponent of you know what I what I've always called kind of supply chain operating networks and or you know network effects, right? And I think some of the things you talked about is you know the kind of the possibilities uh, that, that that now exist, you know, from a network effects you know standpoint when you have multiple trading partners on you know on a platform. Uh, I think you know to to your point, um, you know, a lot of things that we're seeing today is uh, not necessarily new, but I think the um, uh, the availability now of cloud computing and the fact that companies have, you, you know, almost infinite computing power to tackle some of these, you know, more complex supply chain optimization or being able to analyze, you know, substantially more data in a much more realistic operational time frame than they used to be able in the past. In the past, they might have been able to do it, but it might have taken, you know, 24 hours, 36 hours for the, for the computer to crank through all the data or the analysis, right, which now... Yeah. You know, when you tap into, uh, you know, a network and you tap into, you know, kind of a cloud computing infrastructure, you know, things that used to take hours, you know, can take literally minutes or seconds, you know, today. So I think that's been a, you know, a big, uh, big game changer. And, you know, certainly um, I think there's more to come, you know, in, in this area. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I mean, Dave, if, if I'm, you know, talking to the CEO or CFO of my company and, and I mean, how do I communicate? you know, the value of, of these solutions, you know, uh, to them, uh, you know, in other words, you know, well, what's the, what's the business case? So, you know, we, we find uh, ourselves, you know, with that challenge actually, you know, so from the CEO's perspective, there's a few prime value propositions to discuss that uh, impact their balance sheet and income statements. And they understand those, those correlations, those documents very well. So depending if the company strategy uh, moving forward is whether if it's a growth strategy or whether it's kind of cost containment, uh, depending on the economy, or whether they want to strive for innovation or even a combination of two or all three, are all kind of relevant when it comes to these supply chain networks. And by digitizing the inner enterprise processes, uh, the organization is saving monies by, by yes, by automating the manual processes and and order and invoice and shipment error corrections and, and achieving some level of reduced reconciliation processes. And, and at the same time, they're optimizing the working capital that they need to continue to drive the business. And, and from a growth perspective though, providing an easier way to do business through integration of the customer ordering process and trusting suppliers with customer delivery schedules, uh, it ensures customer fulfillment uh, the, their needs and improves customer services are met. So this that kind of translates into larger and more customer orders, 
you know, optimized inventory. If I'm doing vendor managed inventory, I can optimize my inventory for one customer, but I also can now start to use that excess inventory to serve other customers that I wasn't able to take advantage of in the past. Well, I can serve more, uh, I can optimize my inventory to serve more customers and basically improve overall my cash to cash cycle. And then I guess from, a, from an innovation perspective, uh, integrating through a business network supports a lot of co-development, especially we see in the specialty chemicals arena, for, uh, for example, and other innovative products in a, in a kind of a more streamlined manner so that these products can be delivered to market in a more timely manner and delivering a competitive advantage all at a higher margin. Yeah, no, I think those are, those those are great things, and I I like the fact that you know you not only brought up you know the cost side of the equation, which uh, you know obviously the CEOs and CFOs uh, you know always keep an eye on, um, and and the fact that which is something I always tell supply chain executives, you know, you really need to equate you know whatever you're going to be doing in supply chain management with the P and L and the balance sheet because that's the language they speak, right? So you have right. to be able to equate that. But but I like the fact that you also you know brought out. Uh, you know, linking this with a growth strategy, right? That it's not just about cost reduction or cost management. I mean, that's important, but I think, you know, tying it in with you know, with growth, because every time I talk to, you know, senior executives or when I listen to, you know, financial calls, just about every CEO, uh, CFO out there, you know, is looking for you know, how to drive profitable growth, right? So it is a growth thing. And certainly if you're a public company, that's what a lot of the uh, Wall Street investors like to look for is, is, is growth. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, the innovation piece, I think it's, uh, that's a hot topic in, in supply chain overall and, and being able to leverage, you know, technology and leverage a platform and a network ecosystem to drive innovation, I think is another, uh, uh, you know, interesting value proposition that, uh, you know, ought to, ought to be explored as well. Um, you know, David, we're running short on time here, so I just have a, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, more questions. I mean, I mean, how do you see the state of supply chain risk management, you know, evolving over the next few years? You know, what's going to change? So I see a couple of things. So I see that we need to make the supply chain an engine for growth, as we touched, talked about. You know, many supply chain leaders don't understand how their work can drive growth, as you mentioned, or, or become customer focused. You know, instead, many organizations are still stuck in that cost focused paradigm, I'll say. You know, as I've had a conference recently where the takeaway from a round table was that our supply chains would operate so smoothly if we didn't have customers, you know, disrupting the process all the time. It was kind of, you know, shows obviously there's room for improvement in, in attitude, I guess. So, uh, but there, these days there's a lot of noise, I guess, in the market around things such as like internet of things and, and network of networks and blockchain and digitization and AI and machine learning and, and you know, finally predictive and prescriptive analytics. And, the problem is that these great technologies, while some may be new and some, you know, they're simply just rewording of what we've been talking about for the last, you know, 10 years, have not really been utilized to drive growth and, you know, or adding value to end customers. We've been using them as kind of self-serving or, or very inward focused. So when we look at when we gather this information from like Internet of, Internet of Things and about how our products are being used. You know, we can then drive innovation and co-development in the business network among those trading partners, and we can gain competitive advantage and higher profit margins. When we start using AI and machine learning to not only predict shipment behavior and to include custom, but to also include customer behaviors, 
around our products. We're then providing value. You know, when we start to include external factors like weather conditions, traffic patterns, currency and environmental implications to the network, you know, how that affects the chemical industry makes and delivers and produces their products across the wide variety of our everyday lives. You know, we're adding value in a very streamlined and efficient manner. So I think these are things that Alemica is enabling through our chemical industry business network. You know, the value of an ecosystem of trading partners collaborating across the entire value chain, you know, can be, can be just tremendous. Yeah, I know. I, you know, there's, there's certainly, I mean, one of the things I love about this industry is that there's never a dull moment. And I think when every, anytime you look forward or you look ahead into the future, uh, you know, even though there's, there's challenges and, and risks, as we've been talking about, there's also tremendous opportunity and, and a lot of exciting things on, on the horizon, you know, many of which you just touched upon uh, there. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, and, uh, enough to kind of fill up, you know, a year's worth of, of discussions for, for sure. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're kind of out of time here, so I'm just going to go right to my last question. I mean, as a way to wrap up, I mean, what questions should, you know, supply chain, you know, executives and logistics executives ask themselves to assess whether, you know, they have the right systems and the processes in place to, you know, manage risks or even, you know, mitigate or prevent them altogether, um, you know, moving forward in their supply chain? So I think first and foremost, you know, these individuals need to understand that the risk and processes that they need to have visibility and some control over, or basically all external to their organization. They're outside the four walls of their facilities. So first understanding what is their primary risk that they want to mitigate? You know, is it a product supply issue? Is it a customer delivery issue? Is it a handling issue? Is it the return processes of empty regulated containers that's the issue? Is it weather? Is, your, is it sources of supply? I think once they understand the priority of what they want to have visibility in, some level of control over, uh, do they have the trading partners impacted tied to and necessary information tied to the network like Alemica in the chemical industry for that visibility and for that exception-based processing? You know, is there that collaborative framework in place to resolve issues in a more prescriptive manner? So I guess in the end, you know, the chemical industry, you know, delivers products across every aspect of our lives, you know, from the sports we participate in, to the foods we eat, to the music and arts we listen to and admire, you know, the clothes we wear and the toys our children play with, you know, at this time of year. You know, Alembic is basically the enabler and orchestrator for them and to get their products to that market faster and more efficiently. You know, that's kind of what we're enabling in the supply chain here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so it really comes down to, you know, uh, understanding or, or analyzing what the potential risks are and, and kind of prioritizing them. And then obviously having the, the visibility, you know, and the information, the data that you need to convert that into information uh, to take, you know, uh, uh, more proactive action, you know, to mitigate or even prevent, you know, disruptions, you know, f- from occurring. And then obviously, you know, uh, one company can't do it alone. Ultimately, this is a collaborative, you know, effort that needs, uh, you know, your trading partners need to be part of the process there. And uh, obviously being part of a, a, a business network helps to, uh, helps to enable that. Um, so David, you know, great, uh, uh, great having you on the program. Like I always say, you know, at the end of all our conversations is that, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface uh, on these topics, but I think you provided some great uh, insights and advice on, uh, as it relates to supply chain risk management. So uh, thank you for making the time. Oh, thanks, Adrian. Thanks again for the opportunity once again. Have a great day.
Great. And I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you are watching this episode on demand at the Alemica website or on the Talk and Logistics website, and you've got a question or a comment for, uh, for David, uh, you can post it there. And I'm sure that he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talk and Logistics. Have a great day.